0: You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You're listening to episode 47, the three must-dos for the beginning of the year the beginning of the school year is such an exciting time. And it's also so incredibly exhausting. You know, there's all these memes out there on the internet about how exhausting it is to be a teacher those first couple weeks, and how teacher tired you are. That could not be any more true at the beginning of the year. And unless you've went through it, you totally don't understand that. Because it is so exciting to meet our new little people but teaching them all the things is incredibly exhausting. Isn't it funny how we forget like how little and new our students are when they start? It's like we have to reset our brains back to the beginning after sending on last year's students. Oftentimes I think there's no way that these kiddos can be four years old. So many times I go look up their birth date and sure enough, yes, they are four. It's just having to reset our own brains back to the beginning after sending on last year's students. It's funny because you don't realize how far you've come until you have to go back with another group of students. And while those first weeks are exhausting and there's so much work being put in, that is where that foundation is built. Go slow at the beginning so later you can speed up. There is so much to teach our new little friends before we can have a functioning, well-running classroom. And the work at the beginning really does pay off later in the year. However, it makes those first few weeks and maybe even months, it doesn't make them any easier. But I know that getting all those necessities in place is so important because later We have less stress. We have less behavior issues. Everything's kind of set. Do we have to do reminders? Of course, but we've started with a great foundation. So what are those necessaries? The three must-dos for the beginning of the year? Well, they're the three R's, relationships, routines, and rules. Let's dig into those three R's a little bit more. So let's start with relationships. For the first couple of weeks, I actually put playing with children to build relationships on my lesson plans during small group time, because building those positive relationships are that important to me. I truly believe that by creating solid foundations, children know they can trust us. They know we got their backs. They know that we care about them. They know that if they make a mistake, that we will still be there to support them. And we as teachers tend to better understand where the misbehaviors might be coming from with students when we really take the time to get to know a child. So that's exactly what I do. While we are having free choice centers, I play with children. I am intentional about making sure that I am playing with different children, you know, each day, really kind of diving deep because you know we have those children that come in the door and they already love you. They already trust you. You're already the best thing in the world to them. And then we have other children where we really have to work hard to have that relationship. They don't let you in easy. And that takes more time. And so there's no true just, okay, I've built all my relationships after two weeks. It really is a progression with each student. And sometimes that's taking, you know, A lot of the year to get to know some of these kiddos deep down. I don't know if you've ever heard the quote from Rita Pearson who said, Children don't learn from people they don't like. This struck me pretty hard because I feel like it is incredibly true. If you think back to the teachers that you've had and what really stood out to you and the ones that you really wanted to learn the most from. It was based on their feelings towards you, their feelings towards others, and really just having that relationship in place. And I think sometimes we underestimate children and how much they innately know if we don't care for them. And so it's really, really important to me to set out to make sure that even at first, if we're not jiving as easily with one kiddo that I make the time to go deeper. That way I can really, really see what's going on and make that connection and understand them on a different level because we're all human. We've all been misunderstood and so have our children. And once we really have that relationship, have that good foundation, we can better see and understand where any misbehaviors might be coming from because we've really taken that time to know that child. And so when we can see those things, we can see missing pieces. Instead of seeing bad behavior and therefore doling out a punishment, we're seeing, oh, you don't know how to do this. Let me teach you and let me help you figure that out. So for example, Many moons ago, I had a child in my class who was an only child, and he hadn't been around a lot of other children his age. And he was hitting constantly on the playground, just hitting someone and running away. All smiles, you know, wasn't angry. And so, you know, if I hadn't have gotten to know this child, like I have and know his background and his home situation and things of that nature, it would have been an automatic stop hitting, go sit out type of situation. But because I knew these things about him and I'd gotten to know him, I know he has great language skills. So I asked him, why are you hitting them? And he said, well, they won't play with me. Well, there's the missing skill right there. He was hitting to get attention so that they would hopefully give him some and, and play with him. Now, obviously that was not working, but having me and an only child, having not had those relationships with other children their age, he'd never learned how to ask someone to play with him. So that's what we worked on. So what could have been a stop hitting, stop hitting, stop hitting punishment, and he maybe would have stopped or maybe moved on to something else to get their attention. Instead, we found that underlying problem because I knew him and I got to know his situation. So that's just one example of how when we really make that effort to get to know our students, we can definitely start seeing things that we've not, maybe not have seen before or maybe not have thought about. And then just fill in those missing skills. It's just like our kiddos that don't know how to put on their coat. What do we do? We teach them. It's the same thing for social skills. Also, with having those strong relationships, we can expect students to want to please us. If you think about it, we all have that innateness to want to please the people who care about us the people who love us and the people who see us for us. So when we do that for our children, they want to please us. They look to us and, and really want to do their best. And that's because we've put that relationship in place. They feel safe with us. They know that we are there as their support. They know that we care about them. We may get upset. We may get flustered, but at the end, they know we love them. And that's really where kind of that cornerstone of behavior and, and loving the person you're learning from comes from. Building relationships doesn't have to be hard, but it does take time. You know, some relationships are super easy, others take a super long time. But just as we respect the time children need to learn new academic skills, it's also important we respect the time that it might take to build connections. So I have some ideas for you to help you build relationships with your students, and I will leave a link to it in the show notes. It's called Simple Ways to Build Positive Relationships in Early Childhood, and I'm hoping that can help you. Okay, let's move on to the second R, which is routines. And routines can help us create a well-oiled classroom machine. So, raise your hand if you'd like to skip all the chaos and go straight to a class full of children who know how to do all those classroom routines and procedures without much assistance. Yeah, me too. Sadly, I've got no such magic wand. So, teaching and practicing routines are the next best thing. And while teaching routines isn't really that fun, it is extremely necessary because the faster you can get those procedures and routines nailed down, the less time you have to spend managing those routines because herding cats is not fun. So how can you teach and practice routines? Well, I've got some tips for you. Start on day one or the closest to the beginning of the year as possible. If you've already started, you'll want to hit the ground running when at all possible. Also use songs for transitions and sing your directions. I'm telling you, singing is like magic. When you sing, it's like you're putting them in this trance and they all start hearing you when they can't seem to hear your regular talking voice and they start doing the thing you're saying in the directions. I mean, it probably isn't a trance, but it is amazing. So please try it. And if you think that you know you can't sing because you're not Beyonce or Taylor Swift, I get it do it anyway, because you're going to save yourself so much voice power of saying the same thing over and over again. If you come up with a song that signals whatever it is that you're wanting to happen. So for example, when I want kiddos to line up, I say, pick a handprint, pick a handprint because uh, our lineup spots are little handprints pick a handprint and line up. So you could just add whatever, you know, you have on the floor. Um, if it's a square just say, pick a square, pick a square, pick a square and line up. Everybody pick a square, pick a square and line up. Does not have to be fancy. Does not have to be written down. Um, usually these come on the fly when I'm needing them to do something and it just kind of comes to me and then I keep up with that one so using songs, like, please do yourself a favor and just sing it all. Also use visuals. Obviously our children can't read. So visuals are incredibly important and they can help you teach a procedure. And then if you teach that procedure with visuals, then they can come back to it and reference it. They can't come back to just what you said orally and reference it and try to do it independently, but they can when you use visuals. So we use visual procedure cards. I teach them what this looks like and I teach them each step. So this is very, very helpful multiple times during the day, but especially at the time where we pack up to go home. Because there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving bodies, and only one of me. So teaching them the procedure of get your backpack, take it to the carpet, take the things out of your cubby, put them in the backpack, go get your lunchbox, put it in your backpack, go get your water bottle, put it in your backpack. All these steps that I would have to be saying over and over and over again, I can now teach. And so then I can say, okay, remember we have a visual for this. Let's go look. So what do you do after you get your backpack? And then they can see, oh yeah, I'm supposed to go check my cubby. These have been game changer because it saves me and it allows them to be independent. Many times they want to be, they just can't remember what you said or they get distracted. So this has helped a ton by using those visuals. And then practice and practice and practice and make sure you're keeping it consistent because they're going to get them. It's just going to take a little bit of time. If you're wanting to learn more about procedures, I have some blog posts on those as well that I will go ahead and link in the show notes so that if you're wanting to learn more, you can kind of dive deeper into that. Okay. It's time for the last R, which is rules. And rules are there for one main goal, and that is to create a safe environment for learning. I'm also an advocate for the idea of less is more, especially for young children because, you know, short attention spans. So we have a very limited amount of rules. When creating our class rules and trying to keep them brief, I ran each idea through one main goal. The one main goal being a safe environment for learning to decide is it necessary or not. So we have four main rules. The first one is be safe. And I know that's a pretty all encompassing rule. And it's kind of on purpose, because then that covers things like running, throwing toys, hitting roughhousing, you know, and just so many more things. Also being kind. That's our second rule. If it makes someone feel sad or upset, chances are it wasn't kind. Again, a broad rule that covers a lot, but again, also on purpose. Rule number three, cleanup. Man, you know, the cleanup struggle, it's real. So it seems to get harder each year to get children to clean up. Hence why this became a rule, because when we're a class community, we all work together to keep our space clean. And it's important to respect the things in our classroom as well as the people in our classroom. So cleanup became a rule for that reason. And then the fourth rule is listen to the teacher, because my first and most important job is to keep everyone safe. And so if children aren't expected to follow directions and listen to the teacher, that chaos, it can erupt. Plus, if there's an emergency, I need the class to listen and act as soon as I ask them. So this is one of those things that hammer home as well. I put these rules up in visual form at our carpet area. I also have rug rules. So these rules are specific to just sitting down and doing whole group time or circle time. Now I teach these, I teach all of these. Again, with safety in mind, these rules consist of sit, look, listen, that's it. Sit down, look where you're supposed to and listen. And since rec time is kept in an appropriate time span, these rules are in place so that we can practice building that attention to task, practicing that self-control and also staying safe. So while sit, look, listen sounds, you know, very demanding, I think it's also important to remember that this is a very, very, very short time span that we're asking children to sit, listen, and learn, and they are capable at that of that at you know the appropriate timeframes. I teach these rules and revisit them often, and then I also reference them, like if there's like an extra reminder, as well as the rug rules. I have a poster for sitting choices, so this is how they can choose to sit at the carpet because I you know we don't just do crisscross. I allow. Um, side sit like mermaid, um, feet out, um, long leg sit, and then, you know, obviously the crisscross that they want. And then depending on what we'll do, I'll I'll call out tummy time, but I don't allow them to do tummy time all the time or lay on their backs because what usually happens is the legs flail around and the legs hit someone else because we all are in such close proximity. So again, it goes back to that safety thing not as much about, you know, allowing that freedom of movement. We do that a ton during the day. These are just specific to that time where we're coming together to sit, look, listen, interact, be a part, those type of things. So making sure you have those expectations in place because you first need to make sure that you know the rules that you want, because if you're going back and forth on whether you're going to allow something or not, then it's not consistent. And you're sending a very inconsistent message of, well, it's sometimes okay, but it's not okay today, but it's sometimes okay. So really getting clear in your own head about which of these things do I really think is important. And for me, it always comes back down to safety because there are more of them than me. They could definitely riot and take me over if they really wanted to. So it's important to establish those expectations because children need expectations in order to meet them. They have to know what they are. You have to teach them what they are, or else how are they going to know what you expect of them? All right, let's end with recapping the three R's. The first R, relationships, really getting to know and see our children for who they really are. R number two, routines, helping us create a well-oiled classroom machine that depends less on us and our directions, and more independence. And our number three, rules, to make sure we're keeping everyone safe and that we are communicating what we expect. So if you are in need of more support with classroom management, or you need your own rug rules or visual procedure cards, I will put a link in the show notes to the classroom management bundle. It includes everything you need, including social emotional lessons to help you teach those missing social emotional skills as well as visual procedure cards, as well as rug rules that can help you. Oh, and as well as a a ebook that you can read with a video option as well. Diving deeper into classroom management. I will drop that link in the show notes. So if you would like more resources, that's where you can go. So show notes www.lovelycommotion.com slash episode 47. And I'm wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely.